I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. Run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter. We use hip hop statistics to highlight bigger picture. And I am director of the Fifth Element, where I highlight Fifth Element hip hop, which is knowledge. And when we get an award for our podcasting, we're also going to piss on it. <laughs> it's digging the digits. On that. I'm going to put that on my trophy cabinet which has zero trophies on it. I'm going to create a trophy cabinet for that shit. <laughs> what podcast award are we going to get? Uh, We're not I mean, I've put... got two on my shelf, but yeah. We're not getting a podcast. I mean, award. I mean, bro, you never know, bro. You never know. If we if we if we if you ever get like a couple of thou we can do webbies, but uh it'll have to be proper posi- proper po- proper popular for that kind of shit. Um I don't even I don't even know of po- any podcasting awards that to be honest. I don't, I don't even know. Like, I know they exist, but who's hitting me up to say you've been nominated? No, I'm like Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be a rarity. But anyway We're gonna have to take this podcast that'll be down the line, of course. We have to take this it'll podcast happen. to the next level. How are we gonna do that? How are we gonna do that? I'll sit. I'll think about it during the week. Maybe I need to become more crazy and and I don't know, just really go ballistic. You know what made me go ballistic during the week? I don't know if there are any Premier League fans out there, but Gareth Bale has returned. Gareth Bale has returned to Tottenham Hotspur. I was gonna ask you about that. But oh, oh, what a salve to my poor tortured soul that was. Like, oh my god, man, you can't. It's the greatest thing ever. It's the greatest thing ever. He's only there for the season, but oh, wow. Special, special day. It was a really special day when he signed. I feel good about it, man. Well, hi, Ben. Hey, don't gaslight week? me like what that, man. That's not fair. Come on, bro. Everyone's so excited about it. I knew you'd do I gaslight. that. Just I gaslight. silent. <laughs> so... That's interesting. Anyway, let's talk about something else. Ben's crazy. No, I'm not crazy, bro. This is great news. Fuck. I'm not saying crazy. I'm just I'm so saying crazy. I'm just oh. moving it on, bruv. I'm sorry. You clearly had a good week, so you don't even have to answer that question. Clearly. I, so I was just continuing on to, like, you know, to the actual podcast itself. <laughs> All right, fair, fair. All right, I'll talk about what I listened to this week. So I got into quite a lot. I'm going to go best to worst as usual. The best was uh, Coffee and Kush Volume 2 by Problem. Now, Problem is one of the most underrated rappers of the last decade. And I think this project will lead perfectly into a point which I'll expand upon later in the podcast when we talk about our third topic. But it's all about the money, man. It's all about the money. Problem has a classic project in him. This project has classic potential. If you multiply the budget for it by 10, I bet you he'd deliver you an album every single person will be speaking about because the essence of a classic album lives on this project. Like the swelling Florence, then it bleeds into G-Funk on Just Outside with that stretchy bass, then uh, Life Lessons, Problem Works Through His Shortcomings and His Own Misgivings in Real Time. Then we get down to Family Ties 2, which is genuinely one of the tracks of the year for me. A beast of a beat over which Problem raps venomously about, you know, the conditions he grew up in and still exists in. This whole album is a story, it's a narrative, it's a concept album, and honestly, man, it is X amount of dollars away from being what it needs to be, which is sad because I can see the potential, 
but I'm grateful that we have problem dropping quality like this independently. That was a great project. Uh, MC8 dropped lessons, 80 minutes. This is an 80 minute project, but it's still great. Eight out of 10, I gave it at 49 years old. I felt like this was the blueprint for what Charlie was speaking about last week. Like, do you want CNN to be making the war report at 45? I mean, what you really need is MC8 towing the line between the war report and 444. And that's what we get on lessons in my view. The beats are really hard. His delivery is hard. His delivery will always be iconic. And he kind of takes us through this oscillating tale of his come up, his success, his struggle, and his eventual triumph and how he grew into the adult he is proud to be. And he spits next to Conway, doesn't stand out of breath. Talib Kweli, Dave East, Be Real are on this project. Uh, Primo provides some beats. I wrote here, this project is so solid you could build a stadium on it. It's like it is just solid as fuck. And he uh, mm. he spoke to me on Instagram this morning. So shout out to MC8. Um, that project, man, 49 years old. He's dropping absolute heat. Alicia Keys, Alicia. I listened to this album three times through and it's really mm. nice, man. It's It's very understated. There's no Swiss beats yelling out from the kitchen while she sits at the piano. There's no... I don't know what... Charlie can do that. his ad-lib way better than me. Charlie's obsessed with Swiss beats. But there's not a huge amount of, of heart pouring on this album either. Like, I would say this album beautifully balances vulnerability with strength. And that's a quality I see commonly in mature people. Not people who claim they're mature and then shout it from the rooftops and put it in their Tinder profile. Like, I'm mature, I'm old for my age. Shut the fuck up, okay? Uh, people who are genuinely mature, who work hard on themselves and reflect upon their life and their interactions every day. Alicia Keys is very adept. This is a grown-up album that uh, doesn't need to tell you on the packaging it's a grown-up album. If it's for you, you'll love it, honestly. this I, I really, really enjoy I respect the energy she put onto this project. Uh, I, I said I was going to listen to Youngboy NBA's top. I did. I gave it 7.5 out of 10. A lot of hate for this guy online. I don't know really why. I assume it's for some reason I'm too old to understand. I mean, I'm 31. Like, I don't know what, what all this stuff is about. I think I reviewed his last four projects on this podcast, and the only one I didn't enjoy was 38 Baby 2, which I felt was very lackluster, as if his heart wasn't really in it. Um uh, on top, he kind of rectifies this off-rip with the first track, Drug Addiction. It's got this finger-picked acoustic guitar opening up like a really sparse beat, but then he just croons about the ills of substance abuse. It was actually really quite vulnerable and dramatic, that song. Then he gets some mid. There's some mid on this album. That's the problem. Okay, Crossroads was mid. Then the next five-track stretch is great. The beat on Casey Talk is incredible, but then we get some more mid, like I'm up. Uh, big bankroll big bankroll sounds like it was mixed by the cookie monster like I, I don't know what the fuck that mix is this is where the album faltered for me and i think 21 songs is way too long but his heart was back in it and the emotion and passion is his selling point i don't think he's as gifted as a boogie or as dexterous as little baby or as menacing as Moneybag yo i think he blends all those elements and then creates a solid product of that like he doesn't he's not he's not a master of any trade he's the jack of all but it's not a bad thing to be that you know it's a it's a normally negative connotations to that but i didn't hate that uh mama Oso marvin's room really enjoyed that uh if you need to overcome some heartbreak at any point maybe some heartbreak that resurfaces after a few months that you thought was past 
I would recommend listening to Marvin's Room by Mama Oso. Big Baby Gucci, Isolated, really enjoyed that project too. Uh, $700 shirt is one of the beats of the year. I, I really enjoyed that that uh, that song. Um, then we get to Amani Caesar, the Liz, and Griselda missed. You know, I guess it had to happen eventually, and it's wholly possible they didn't miss it at all. Maybe this project just didn't hit for me. Okay, maybe this just is not for me. I feel like the beats dip deep into the Griselda Sonic well, and there's no chance you would mistake this for any other collective. I guess it just jarred me because, to me, Amani Caesar seems really torn between typical Griselda content and emulating Little Kim's more superficial side. Neither of those angles is bad if she commits mm. to them. Okay, neither neither is bad as long as you stick to one of them. But if she's going to commit to the Little Kim side, then I don't think this is the production to do it over. It's a weird mismatch. The thing to me about Tanner Talk 3, which I felt was peak Griselda, is the desperation and despair of Benny's lyrical content. Now, the outro to Scarface vs. Sosa Part 2, the way the refrain, everything relates back to drug dealing, hits so hard next to that really mournful synth line. To me, that's the essence of Griselda. It's rooted in authenticity, and we've seen and heard all of them, including Baldy James and Flea Lord, drop a lot of product that's firmly planted in the gutter, okay? Sometimes they're rocking Goyard in the gutter. You know, that's the image that West, West Side Gun portrays, but they're in the gutter. And to me, it felt like Armani Caesar was getting out of the Maybach, stepping over the gutter, and walking into the nightclub on this project. Again, there's nothing wrong with that, but I feel like the production needs to match it. Um, and and on, for me, it just didn't work on this project. It was... It was a weird mix, man. It was Griselda's aesthetic. There's no doubt about that. But I don't know what... I just wish Imani Caesar would pick a lane. Pick a lane. Are you going to be super gutter? Are you going to be kind of little Kim? Like, you know, what direction do you want to go? I don't think either of those directions is bad. And I certainly think she can rap. But um, it just didn't hit for me. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm so used to the three, the big three, that this was this was a challenge. But... Anyway, that's what I got into. What about yourself? Yeah, so um, I went uh, chronological. Well, I'm going chronological as always. Uh, started the week with Craig G of G Screw Frame, Fragile Ego, little EP, little care package. Um, literally every track is t about the Fragile Ego and uh, just bars towards that kind of stuff. You know, there's one about narcissism. Uh, there's a great feature of, uh, of Master Race here as well. And uh, yeah, man, it's just uh, Craig G doing his thing. Uh, shout out to Craig G, as always. Uh, Micaiah McRaven, Universal Beings, E and F sides. Finally got to this one. I've had this on the list for a minute. Um, this is obviously, uh, well, for, for, for those that don't know, um, basically a uh, offshoot of his 2018 album of the same name. And uh, clearly there was an A, B, C and D sides to those. And this one has an E and F. Um, so, yeah, it's basically just an extension of that. So if you listen to Universal Beings, the original, you will enjoy this one as well. Um, this one has just got so many heat, so many heaters on here in terms of personnel alone. Brandy Younger with the harp, Joel Ross... Uh, Kamal Williams with the keys, Nubia Garcia with the saxophone, Ashley Henry, uh, fucking hell, so many people, uh, Jeff Parker, Carlos Nino, uh, Shabaka Hutchins, like, all of these people have released some absolute fight, Miguel Antwood Ferguson, Howard Ferguson, they've released so much heat by themselves with their own names on it, and you're bringing them in this one? 
fuck off. <laughs> you must be mad. Uh, it's actually it's actually recorded in several places as well. So they've got uh, Queens, New York here, uh, Stoke Newington, London. Shout out to Stoke Newington. Uh, California, Chicago. It's like li- literally the dude went everywhere. Um, I don't know if it's um, uh, well. It says uh, recorded uh, 2018, 2017. So clearly he's been sitting on these with along with the actual OG album. Um, so these aren't like uh, new recordings to go with it. It's literally just from the same session. So uh, yeah, man, if you've listened to the original OG uh, Universal Beings, you'll definitely enjoy that. And uh, just a shout out to Makai McRaven on this, because honestly, he just has this real essence of like, you know, obviously it's all jazz, right? It's, it's clearly all jazz, but... He just, it's just, just this little bit, this little bit of hip hop thrown in here, a little bit hip hop beats that you you genuinely get this when you when you go to see his um, uh, Gil Scott Heron uh, uh, flip basically uh, his reimagining uh, so to speak, and uh, yeah, if you've listened to that, you you get what I'm saying. But with this specifically, you just you just get a hint of it, and it just makes it that much more interesting. Just having some little bit of hip hop tinge uh, throughout, but man, it's just it's just slaps. It's, it's it's peak jazz, man. We need. I need to make a. I need to write something about like the jazz scene right now, because honestly, it's just it's coming up. It's actually silly. Um, GQ, a Midsummer's Nightmare, Jam the Records, GQ, Oakland's finest, uh, coming through with a nice EP here. Um, Supreme Beats, you. It's Jam the Records. You know the beats are going to hit every single time. The only outlier that could be possibly critiqued um, is obviously GQ in this case. And, uh, man, GQ comes through. GQ comes through with some real nice uh, wordplay. Um, that's what he does. Real confident on the mic. Just just oozes confidence. Oozes confidence everywhere. Um, it's, a real <laughs> it's a real interesting track with uh, him and uh, Ruben Vincent, uh, basically. Uh, what, what does it remind me of? Uh, like that, that third, like the third verse on um, uh, of the J. Cole song. Um, one time for my LA sisters, that one. I forget the name of it. Uh, but yeah, basically that where they just talk about women in the game right now, like Kalani and this and that, and basically Zendaya, whatever. Just think of any popular black woman out right now of their age, and they're basically just like, I'd love to, like, you know, just take have a chat with her or whatever. It's just real, it's just real funny, uh, real, real, uh, uh, real interesting one. But man, it's. I can't, I can't hype the beats enough, man. I can't hype the beats enough. The beats slap every single time. So clean. So like uh, the last track has this absolutely beautiful sample, and I'm guaranteeing. I haven't even seen it, but I'm ho- I'm kind of confident it's Ninth Wonder. <laughs> I probably should look that up, um, but I'm pretty sure it was, was him. Uh, just for you, man. Just that beat alone. Whew. I need an instrumental to this uh, to this whole EP. Just just that alone. Um, but man, yeah, shout out to GQ. Um, I don't know who's produced by, doesn't say on Spotify, but anyway, yeah, man, solid EP. Uh, Currency, Harry Fraud, Director's Cut. Uh, if you guys listen to their uh, other, uh, well, the, their their main EP or album, don't fucking know anymore. Because most of the albums, are, most of the stuff I've listened to this week have been like 25 minutes, half an hour. Some have said, some have called themselves an EP, some have called themselves an album. I don't even fucking know oh. anymore. Fuck it. Like, I'm Charlie, just going to say project just to fucking. Charlie Shagrin is the. You're pissing me album off with that. Like, EP, have man. A, Every week, Charlie's like, Fuck a, just, just have a universal terminology for it, guys. It's annoying. Like, GQ's was two, 20, 25 something minutes. And then um, the next, well, oh, let me just continue. Um, yeah, shout out to Currency and Harry Ford. Solid, um, basically just an offshoot of their, um, of their, uh, the Outrunners, was it? Outrunners? Yeah, yeah, yeah that, yeah. that one. 
Um, no Rick Ross, so immediately oh, an upgrade God for me. God for that. Um, I, I just want to say, right, <laughs> I just, I just want to say, right, as just a, as just as a, uh, a thing that I've just noticed, and I probably should have noticed, like, you know, way earlier, but currency is so good when he just talks about cars. Mm. Like, he, 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 I don't know how he does That's it, but him, currency talking about cars is like Benny or Pusher talking about Coke. Yeah. It's so fucking enticing. Yeah. It's just so drawing. Like every time he just talks about a Chevy Camaro or this or that. Um, there's a track with him and Snoop Dogg that then they just talk about cars. It's just so great. It's it's wonderful. Um, but yeah, Kamaya and Capolo. Mm. I'm assuming that's how you're right. Oakland Knights. Um, I I get I get I I like it because um, there's you know there's that Oakland bounce as you if you guys listen to Kamaya obviously like you you get that bounce you know what I mean you're in the whip you're like bang, 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 you know what I mean you're getting some vibes um, so yeah it's it's solid in that case but I get I I have to get very um, I have to get very uh, film geek on this um, and talk about the male gaze because. There's some tracks on here where like Kamaya's talking about whatever, and then Capolo comes in just talk with I don't want to. He there's one track where he just went blue face on it, and I was just like, please stop doing this, please stop, please stop. I forgot what track it was, but he just goes blue face on it. It's not even rhyming. He's just talking fast and then slow again. It's just horrible. Um, but, but aside from that, um, he, he 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 she she comes through with like a decent verse, or whatever. And then he comes through with the verse, and he's just like talking about women. I'm just like, mm. it it just, it just makes me it makes me feel weird because like Kamaya's here and she's talking about something else, and then he's here and he's just talking about women. It's just like, eh, I don't know. I just get mm. male gaze vibes um, from uh, in my in my head whenever I listen to that kind of thing. Uh, Armani Caesar, the Liz, um, similar to you, honestly. I was like, this is the first time I've heard of Armani Caesar like properly, apart from like a few features, mm. and. Um, yeah, you know, apart from the Benny features um, on those particular tracks, yeah. I really enjoyed that. It was heat. Um, they have good chemistry, I think. I think they went back and forth very nicely. I like those tracks. Um, there was one more track with her alone that was a half decent. But yeah, the, the rest of it, I was just like, I don't know. Like, the beats were there. You know, it's just, you know, it's the same-ish Griselda beats, like, you know, dark, dingy, whatever. And I don't know, I just I, I just, I just tuned out a little bit sometimes. It was just, um, I, don't, I don't know what the what the content was like drawing me towards, like what you drawing yeah. me to kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean, it yeah. wasn't very, um, didn't really ring me by the neck and like say, you have to listen to this kind of thing. But uh, I don't know. It, it's okay. Um, Alicia Keys, Alicia. Um, this is like that perfect, this is like that perfect album um, that actually uses the budget they were given and just, just runs away with it. And, you know, it, it's one of those rare popular albums, those rare mainstream albums where I'm like, this is quality. I wouldn't be surprised if this gets all the Grammy nominations because uh, not to say, you know, it's the best album ever, but just from the fact that, you know, obviously it's Alicia Keys and everyone knows Alicia Keys and she's obviously well backed um, in that fashion. Um, it's just a really good album. It's just really solid. Um, like you said, the great mix of vulnerability and strength. She just seems so sure of herself and her pen game and her musicianship. She's just on She's just on top of her game. Um, I... I kind of prefer her previous album um, with the with the with the grey artwork. I forget the name of the album, um, but that's just me because I prefer the highs on that. In common, uh, more than we know, I love those tracks. But there's some really good stuff on here. Um, apart from maybe Underdog, 
Um, that was uh, that was that was a bit, little bit pandering, mm. <laughs> and uh, funny enough, I had Ed Sheeran on the on the writers uh, for that for that, uh, for that oh, particular song. Gosh. Not saying it's Ed Sheeran, not saying no, it's just it Ed Sheeran. It was Ed Sheeran. He's there. Fuck Ed Sheeran. Just just man. just saying, Jeez. just saying, he's there. He's there. Oh, he's gosh. there. He's there. I'm not saying him. he's the number one culprit, but he was I there. Am. Just I saying. Am. But apart from that, <laughs> apart from that particular track. Um, <laughs> okay. Apart from that, uh, the the features were great. Uh, Tierra Wax, great. Uh, mm. uh, Diamond Platinum was it? Was it? I think his name was. Uh, he, he was he was good. I'd never heard of him before, but apparently mm. he's like a real influential uh, African artist. Um, Miguel, of course, um, and Jill Scott at the end, near the end. That was real, real nice, real real vibey. Um, and obviously the piano ballads at the end. Like just it just yeah, it's just a great listen from start to finish. Um, and lastly, Lexamore Government Tropicana. Um, her first, uh, well, her first album on Spotify. I haven't really uh, checked to see if she's on Bandcamp or whatever because uh, I've been tripped up by that before. But it's her first one on Spotify, um, and uh, it's okay. Um, it's very spacey. Think chill hop, but instead of, um, but instead of uh, uh, hip hop elements, replace those elements with garage. It's like very spacey, bassy, kind of slow garage. Uh, if you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, the only thing I, the only thing I have a problem with is just the fact that she's really behind everything, like vocally, and she 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 reminds me of like um, Six Black, um, th- th- that kind of thing where she's like Six you know, Black, kind of groany, kind of low energy. Um, I didn't say Six Whack, I said, said Six, six black, black because people, and when I say Black, you don't know what I'm talking about, so I said Six Black. I said Six b- 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 Black, okay? Do you want me to okay. stutter? Black. I didn't say Six Whack, check the tapes, guys. Go check the tapes. I said Six Black, he's not Whack, he's not my cup of tea, but anyway, that's just, that's besides the point. Don't get me off topic. Um, yeah, so she kind of has this, like, really, I don't know, like, just, I don't want to say, I don't want to say low energy, because, like, I don't mind it. Like it just makes it good background listen, um, but I, if you try and focus on what she's trying to say, you will struggle. You will really struggle because like it's, she's just behind the beat and she's just like really low toned, um, so it's kind of hard to actually just try and gauge what she's trying to say. Um, the features here are great. I love the features on here. Uh, Moish is my favorite track. It just really it, it makes me envy train life again. I've been on a train in ages, haven't travelled to London in ages, and it's made Same. me sad about that. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's a real solid, it's a, it's a real good vibe, real back, real good background music. Um, it's yeah, just my only problem is just the just the it's just the delivery, like you know, just speak up, you know what I mean? I want to know what you're saying, kind of thing. But apart from that, we get into our topic of this week, and it's six whack. I'm joking. Uh, we're talking about <laughs> it's another DITD. Uh, we got three topics, and uh, we'll get through those. And uh, I've given one. Ben's given. The, well, we've kind of agreed on the third one, uh, but he offered that, and uh, the other two are kind of uh, things we wanted to talk about. But uh, yeah, man, uh, Ben, you've got the agenda. Where where shall we begin? So we're going to start off with mashups because Charlie has been very excited about mashups lately. I think uh, DJ Critical Hype has uh, really hyped him up. With that absolute heater with Andre 3000 and Tyler, the creator. If you haven't checked that out, please, please, I implore you with all of my soul and my heart, Google that. DJ Critical Hype, Andre 3000, over the top of Tyler, the creator beats. You will not be disappointed. Anyway, we continue onwards. Now, the mashup. 
<laughs> That's a big inside joke. You guys aren't going to get that one. Naturally, now the mashup, <laughs> it's been part of hip-hop since its origin. You know, DJ Cool Herc was transforming songs into something entirely new, taking recorded instrumentals, creating break beats, and then having MCs rap over them. The mashup is slightly different. So in 1985, it was John Oswald created this thing called Plunderphonics, where uh, it described the act of taking a well-known song and then overlaying original material on it so many times that the original song, song almost becomes impossible to decipher. Now, he put out an EP in 1988, and it was pretty much unlistenable for anyone who doesn't actually like uh, this kind of music. I actually really love this kind of music. I, I love what he was doing. He wasn't seek. See, the thing about a mashup is it needs to have these clear, smooth transitions, but it wasn't important. He, he did this version of Bad by Michael Jackson. It's pretty much unlistenable, man, but I actually really, I find that glorious. I've always said that hip hop is not my most listened to genre. It's definitely electronic music. And to me, that was tipped top tier. But the thing is, the mashup focuses way more on the blend. So these were early examples, but uh, it was Evolution Control Committee, and they achieved it with the whipped cream mixes, and they had public enemy acapellas over Herb Alpert instrumentals in the early 90s. So artists were dabbling in it in the in during the 90s, um, in the early 90s, but it was DJ Freelance Hellraiser who gave birth to the rise of the commercial mashup in 2001. And he did this via putting Christina Aguilera's vocals from Genie in a Bottle over the top of the strokes hard to explain. And he called it a stroke of genius. <laughs> like, I mean, that's that's the perfect thing to start a whole subgenre is to do it. That I reckon he just picked two songs that he knew he could turn into a stroke of genius. And it's like, oh, let's try and mash these together. I read this dissertation on mashups by uh, Christine Emily Boone. It's a really fucking amazing. I can't believe anyone wrote their dissertation on mashups, but it's actually a really great read. Shout out to you and your informative piece of work. I'll try and link up with that person actually and, and shout them out. Um, so they discovered that the first actual press on mashups came out in 2002 via Spin Magazine. So it's definitely a new phenomenon uh, and it really only came into being in the digital age. So, you know, Charlie, how, how come you chose this topic specifically? And, and yeah, when, when were you introduced to the um, mashup as well? Well, for me, it was Jay Period. So shout out to Jay Period on, on, on his work because um, I, 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 I don't know how I found it. I think I just found it when I was in like sixth form. So this was about like six, seven years ago. Um, I was just, it was at the start of my, I guess, hip hop discovery journey. And I was just like trying to find stuff. And, uh, and I was just like looking through SoundCloud and Audio Mac or whatever, you know, just trying to find some, just trying to find stuff to listen to, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I found J period, uh, I, th- I think it was J period, uh, well, maybe, maybe someone else actually, but anyway, um, it, came, it became J period anyway, high. um, down, down the line. It, it might have been, it might have been. Actually, you know what, um, the first time I heard J- DJ Cool Hype, I will say, um, was, um, uh, the, for the damn chronic, like I saw that shit downloaded that immediately mm. downloaded that immediately that was fire i was just like oh my gosh we finally got it Kendrick, Frank, someone did it for us ah, da, 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 da. You know what I mean? uh, so that's when i first clocked him uh, now that, that some has that has some heaters on it like he does control over like um oh, i forget the dre beat but he, d- he does like control xxx the sphere uh bitch don't kill my vibes just oh, over dre beats man it's so freaking cool it's so cool 
Um, but yeah, uh, my main guy is Jay Period. Shout out to him. I'll, I'll, I'll probably tag him. Um, he they they just come up with my fascination with it, and the reason why I wanted to talk about it specifically was like how have we how have we just not even bigged up any of these people like to to the point where it's just like you know an, an event because like I think I think this is I think this Andre Tyler thing uh, uh mashup has um probably gotten the most um well <laughs> critical hype. Uh, shall we say, um, in in the social media sphere, uh-huh. I think uh, for me personally, in terms of what I've seen, um, <laughs> and um, yeah, I think I think that's what I, I think that's where I've seen it. Um, you know, have a kind of just a little bit of little bit of a giddy up. I've seen you know I've pig- I think pigeons and planes hyped it on the, on uh, on their platform. Um, so yeah, no, that's something. You know, that's not that's not that's nothing to sneeze at. Um, I'm just wondering like why don't we like not not i don't want to say like we li- we should listen to these like consistently over actual you know um, other pieces of music i think this is just a amazing exercise in just like how a fucking great hip hop can be like just having these guys just you know grab shit and just do whatever they can with it like i saw i, I heard one uh, I had one. From, go peep, go peep. J. Period's Bandcamp, bro. He has so freaking many. Let me actually. Let me just hit up. Let me just search up right quick as I talk, and uh, give give you some um, give you some tasters for what he has, man. Because he has a ton, a ton. He just does a live show. I think every other week. Like honestly, um. So he has a <laughs> a Wakanda edition, <laughs> which is great. Uh, uh fucking uh, uh Shaolin Two uh, edition. So obviously he just takes like Wu Tang beats. Uh, or, or just Wu Tang bars as well mixes them up. Uh, uh, he's done he's done f- stuff for Lauren Hill, uh, Big Daddy Kane, Mary J Blige, uh, Big. He loves doing Big. Uh, Outcast as well. well we're talk- talking about Andre. He's done an Outcast one. Uh, he's done a Q-Tip one. Queensbridge Queensbridge Finest. So obviously a uh, uh, Nas and Mob Deep. That one's heat. That's got some heaters on it, but anyway, yeah, I can just name them all honestly. But my thing is, it's just like I, I just wonder why we, why there isn't. There, there probably is. Uh, there probably is a whole, you know, subculture to this, and you know, people are like, oh, oh you, you heard the new J period. Oh, you heard the new. Uh, what was the one you mentioned the other day? Girl talk. Yeah. Oh, have you guys heard the new girl talk? You know, what I mean, I'm sure there's subreddits to this kind of stuff. I'm sure there is a subculture to this. I'm just wondering why it's not more prevalent. I'm really I, that's all I wonder, cause, and that's why I wanted to just big it up because I not, not I didn't I don't think I I listened to a couple of tracks off the Andre uh, Tyler one. You know, it's cool, but I I was just wondering. Uh, I was just wondering like why we don't uh, hype it hype these kind of things more often because I just find this shit so fascinating. Like the you know the skill to it, like the turntablism basically is. I mean, it's like you said, it's the essence of uh, what DJ Cool Herc did in some fashion. So, you know, I mean, it came from, it happened in the literal beginning. Like, I'm just wondering why, uh, and I and I can kind of answer it for myself. I was just wondering why it's not um, more ubiquitous. I will probably say. Well, that's the point that uh, Christine makes in her dissertation. You know, it's the the case for the genre to be given genuine credit as artistic, something that. I actually think that lawyers and labels have doused over the years due to the absolutely severe copyright infringement required to make a good mashup. Um, I like this quote from her dissertation. It says, The process of mashing 
thus opens recordings up into dynamic entities. The mashup thus rejects the more traditional view of a song as a finished product and conceives it instead as raw material for another iteration of artistic production. I think that's really cool and it's something that Jay-Z actually envisaged with the Black Album where he dropped an acapella version which is actually the only acapella hip-hop album to ever chart on the Billboard 200. It entered at 106 and spent two weeks there, which is amazing. Imagine an acapella album fucking charting. But the volume of mashups that came out of that is legendary. I actually have two of them on vinyl. I have JDO Head, which is by Max Tanone, and I have the Grey album by Danger Mouse, which mashed Ho's vocals up with Beatles tracks. That album was incredible, man. Like, and and that was that that was probably the one that got the most hype, the the mashup with the most hype in hip hop history, yep. because obviously. Uh, EMI, I think it was, went after Danger Mouse. He had to take it down. Like it was this big thing, and he got a lot of press off it. I think this was pre Niles Barkley too, so he might have even picked up a you know a job from that. But I want to use that to make my point about mashups. Um, it has to be really, really good. If you're off by five percent, you're going to ruin a mashup. I think the mashup thrives off the visibility of both the songs you are blending, which means mm. that. The originals are likely very close to your heart. So if you don't pull it off, if you don't select the right mashup, match the timings up, sequence it perfect, everything has to be perfect. And if it isn't, it it becomes unlistenable. Um, I think it's very hard to mash up artists from the same genre because you have iconic songs and they're iconic for a reason, you know, in iconic verses. And sometimes it just makes you want to go listen to the original rather than the mashup. Uh, I think with Jay-Z and Radiohead or Jay-Z and the Beatles, Jay-Z and Linkin Park, what Girl Talk does, there's a lot more room for error there because you are, you're getting pulled in two slightly different directions. Like I feel like if the instrumental sucks, you know, you can leave it behind and focus on the vocals and vice versa. But if you're, you're in the same genre, you're getting, it's, it's, it's confusing. It can pull you. And that's what I found listening to mashups. I get so confused. I'm like... I don't know, it just doesn't sit well with me because it's too similar. You know, if it's two completely different things and creating something entirely new, then for me that works. Like I'm like, okay, I can appreciate this as a separate piece of art. But when the the, the vocals and the beat are too similar, they're in the same genre or they're, you know, similar artists, I can't appreciate, I'm just thinking about the two separate pieces of art that have been mashed together and I can't, my head doesn't get around it, you know. That's the problem I have. Yeah, I mean, I get it, um, but I, I don't. I, I guess, like for me personally, it's just more about um, regardless if it's like really good or not. You know what I mean? Um, I, 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 you know, I, I probably if I could, so I, I couple a couple of these on vinyl. If I like, if I listen to it f- uh, front to back, because um, most of the time I usually just, um, I usually just pick out. Uh, tracks that um you know just sound that, that just off, like off title just sounds good to me uh like there's um there was a west coast one that j period did and it was like um uh they they just had like a run in but biggie was on it um like obviously running far side and uh, had biggie on it um and yeah yeah so you know, you know i'm not saying like the most of the time the um it's i think it's rare that like a whole mashup album was just call it that um is great from start to finish um the thing i like personally about uh, people like um, j period and also dj newmark as well 
um, who uh, does mashups, but not for um, like slapping on Bandcamp. Although maybe he does have some Bandcamp. Uh, might, 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 might have a look. Um, but he, he's 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 done obviously mashups um, as a you know as DJs do. But um, yeah, I just, I just find I just find the whole thing cool. Like the fact that you know I can't do it. <laughs> I mean, I, I find it hard to. I find it hard to do so uh just just on the face of it and having that as just as an entity the fact that someone can do it and do it to a level that is actually half decent and actually listenable of course it's never well not never but it's rarely going to replace the actual OG version of whatever the two you know songs uh, mashed up are I don't think that's the point uh, to to replace the OG songs, it's just to create something that you know you you've may may have wanted and you you know never in my wildest dreams would I would I've heard like a Kendrick and Dre Kendrick on Dre beats and you know now it's a possibility now it's there for you to listen you know it may not be you know it may not be the most perfect thing ever but it's there it, it, it exists you know what I mean so I just I just like the I just like the fairy tale nature of it. I guess that's what I'll call it. It's just like you know, ah, oh, what if what if this person? It's it's very childlike, you know. What I mean, what if this person did a song with this person? You know, what I mean, it's I don't know. It just makes me feel it makes me feel like a kid in a candy store kind of thing. That's that's kind of that's kind of the vibe I get. Obviously, you can be more critical about it. Uh, no pun intended. You know, what I mean, you can be more critical about it if you want to. And like, mm. oh, this track sucks. Rah, 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 you know what I mean? But I'm just like, ah, bro, like, it's, it, you know, you know what they've done, right? They've mashed up these two tracks. Like, just enjoy it for what it is. That's honestly, I don't. Uh, I'm a prude about a lot of things, but this is something I just, I just don't, don't really feel like being a prude about. I just enjoy the artistry of it, and I just respect it. To be honest, it's just uh, for what it is. You guys aren't realizing that Charlie's responding to a VM I sent him earlier in the week. And uh, I was wondering how he was going to respond to the VM. And he just did. I'm not <laughs> going to reveal the VM. But, um, okay, it's good to know. I got the response eventually. Anyway, we'll move on to um, our next. I think both. I think that's totally fair what Charlie's saying. Um, I'm a little bit hurt because he was clearly speaking directly to me at the end there. But that's okay. That's okay. I was very unfairly critical in my original VM. Let us move on to the next topic, which is TDE. Now, the average time between TDE projects. This is interesting because SZA came out recently and she was pretty critical of Punch. Now, we don't really know if this was just hyping up for the song that she dropped like three days later. Punch seemed to be taking it all in stride. You know, he was making jokes about it on Twitter and, and on Instagram as well. She's not, she's not the first, and it's not the first time SZA said something critical about the release schedule over at TDE. Reason's been talking about it for a long time as well. Punch himself has been critical of it because he has an album recorded, and he's had that album recorded for about a year because he was telling me about it a year ago and talking to me about a release party for it, and I was, or a listening party, and that, that never eventuated. So I guess what I want to do is like... <laughs> What the fuck's going on over there? I don't really understand it. Now, TDE artists average 904 days between projects. That's nearly two and a half years. That's the average across the whole roster. Now, I could understand if that was just one artist, but listen to these numbers, okay? 361 days is Sir, so that's nearly a year. That's the lowest by a long fucking mile. That's half of the next one. The next lowest is Kendrick. 
at 722 days. Imagine Kendrick being your second most prolific artist. He fucking never drops, man. Then we get 799 days, which is Schoolboy Q. 917 days, which is J-Rock. 1139 days, Absol. 1212 days, Zaya Rashad. That is just a wild amount of time. We look at the, the Dreamville comparison. Dreamville averages 555 days. So, you know, it's like 350 days less, nearly a year less. TDE drops a project every 131 days as a label. So just the, the previous was the amount of time between each individual project that each artist drops. This one is like how often they drop it as a label. Uh, so 131 days, Dreamville is every 110. But if you compare that to Young Money, for example, since 2014, they're at 104 days. Uh, Maybach Music Group is 82 days. Strange Music is 42 days. Griselda's probably eight days. You know, Griselda's crazy. I, I don't know the numbers on that, but they've dropped an insane amount of product. The scarcity has served them well, critically. Um, they're light years ahead when it comes to review averages. 77.2 is their professional review average across their discography. Dreamville is 72.7, so that's a long way below. Rock Nation, 71.3. OVO, 71.1. Good Music, 68.4. Maybach Music, 67.6. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, man. What do you think about this, Charlie? What, what are your thoughts on this? I could not care less. Okay. I, I, I could not care less. Like, I, 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 I get it, right? I, I get it. I am with everyone else. I want these albums. I really fucking do, okay? I really do. And obviously, SZA had the pretty much mirror uh, image argument uh, before, just before Control dropped. Right, um, it, it's it's it, it is what it is. Right, I get it. Now my question is like, okay, so if it isn't Punch, who's the president of TDE? Who the fuck's calling the shots? Is it literally Top just going like, guys, just trust me, like, and not telling anybody like the reasons why or whatever? I don't know, and I don't really care to speculate because it it, it is what it is at this point. Um, I I. If you're looking at this as a business, then obviously, yeah, you you might you're gonna be gonna there's gonna be some concern. This is like Netflix not dropping any originals. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like it's it's like any uh, fucking uh, it's like a radio station. You know, not doing any radio shows, right? I get it. It's just radio silence. There's nothing there, right? You get you. We've been given like a a, a scissor single, uh, a banging video where she looks op. She directed it herself. It's clean. Right, we got a few songs uh, that that one month. Uh, we had like a, a Absol freestyle, which is clean. Uh, I think Reason dropped one of them. Uh, I think Isaiah dropped one as well. So yeah, you know, and Schoolboy has done a couple of features here and there. Uh, I think he's on that uh, Gorillaz album as well. So you know, people are active. Clearly, clearly there's activity going on, and clearly there's stuff going on. There was that Kendrick leak that I didn't really uh, get into because I don't really like getting into leaks. Um, I like to see the full product. That's just me. Obviously, uh, there was a couple of videos of watching Kendrick in water, something like that. Like he was filming a music video, clearly. Um, so yeah, obviously stuff's happening, right? I get it, and we want what's ha we want to see what's going on. Sure, get it. I just I couldn't care less. Like if the, if the if the if the projects aren't uh, if the projects are done now, that's a different question. 
right? That, that's a that's a that's a different. And the problem is, we don't know that. Like, if if they say that, if 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 Susan says the album's done, I want to drop it. Then we can start like you know getting on tagging people, get top on the phone, literally get top on the phone and go where the fuck's that says the album. Then we can start you know badgering, right? I get that, and I'm not a badger, but I can understand when people will start that. But if you don't know the album's not fun- not finished, then what the fuck are you complaining about? If the album ain't finished, the album ain't finished. But the problem is, none of us know whether it's finished or not, and that goes for all of them. Now, well, probably obviously like you know Isaiah's, uh, you know he's been. Uh, hyping up some tracks on IG Live a couple of times over the year. So maybe he's done, I guess, sure. Don't know that for sure, but, you know, you can maybe shout that out and go like, oh, yo, Isaiah, was the album? No, 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 no. My thing is, right, if, if it drops, it drops. If they, uh, Bro, just think about this. Let's try and think of it from a positive perspective, right? Let's just, let's just switch up a little bit, just for, just for kicks. Bro, what if they drop these albums just back-to-back every, like, every week? Just like how many of them? How many of them in the roster? Like seven or eight? What if they just all dropped an album just like once a week? That'd be fucking mad. Just a just that'd be Wyoming sessions times fucking a million. Like that'd be crazy. That would be unstoppable. It literally, we'd be just everyone would just be talking about TDE for the next three months. That would literally be the whole of hip hop Twitter, hip hop social media. We'd just be talking about TDE albums, right? So hey. Hey, that sounds great to me. If I'm TDE, you know what I mean. So you know you can spin this any way you want. You could be totally pessimistic and just go like, oh, they're, they're not they're not feeding the people. They don't need to feed you. They don't need to. They don't need to feed you, right? It's it's it from an art perspective, and this is where I'm coming from. If I haven't said that, if I haven't hinted at that before, I'm hinting it now. This is clearly coming from an art perspective. If there aren't eight finished, then you ain't seeing their art, and I'm fine with that. But if you want to look at it from a business perspective, oh, they haven't dropped in a thousand days as a collective. No, 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 no. Alright, cool. You, you can badger if you want, but that ain't me. I ain't going for that. So, you know, uh, it's a bit of a word salad, but um, take, take, take from which, uh, take what you want from that. Well, my issue is, you know, what you spoke about. Firstly, Reason has said multiple times that his album is ready and he's just waiting for a release date. As Ira Shad said earlier this year that his album was done and it was ready to come out. It was really early this year. I think that was in February. Okay. Uh, Absol okay. said mid last year that his album was 70% done. So my issue, and Scissors obviously, you know, being critical of the release schedule. My issue is, firstly, look at this these these artists. Like there's how many artists here? One, two, three, four, five, six on that. They that those numbers, by the way, are only artists who've released multiple uh TDE projects. So Reason isn't on this list, uh Zachary's not on this list, Lance Skywalker isn't. But they're even their numbers are terrible as well. You know, they've all dropped one project and it was fucking miles ago. I think Zachary or Lance Skywalker's was like two thousand sixteen or something. So my issue is if the albums are done They've got to come out. You know, what are you doing? Like, what what is your grand plan? What you know, it's the scarcity model. Sure, I understand that. It's you know, that's a business model that you use. Create scarcity, create demand, create hype. But the problem is, like, you can't tell me that every artist on this label is not prolific. You can't say to me that every artist here, you you've just gone around and magically found all these artists who are the complete uh, antithesis of hip hop in 2020 which is just drop bulk product i mean nba young boys dropped two projects this year both of them are on the top 21st uh week sales list 
Like, you're telling me that uh, Sir, Kendrick, Schoolboy Q, J-Rock, Absol, Zyra Shad, Scissor, like, none of them want to drop more than, like, multiple projects. None of them want to drop quicker than every two years. That, to me, that's an, the, the issue then becomes, and I agree with Charlie, if uh, these projects aren't done and they're still creating them and they're still working on them and I don't want to, I don't want to ever rush art. But at this point, are we rushing art or are we just holding back art? And my problem is like, you're not allowing these artists to grow and progress and develop. And this is how artists grow and progress and develop. They drop product and they put it out there. It does poorly, it does well, they learn, they move on to the next project. Think about all the legends back in the day, they were dropping multiple projects, man. They were dropping quickly every year, every 18 months, and they were learning and growing as they did that. And I just, to me, there's a problem there. Like Absol should not be waiting this long because his last project, was received pretty poorly uh, after mm. the, these days came out really well um, and his first album did really well and then Do What Thou Wilt was, you know, not received very well at all. And I think it was a great project. I think it was very deep. But I think he needed to toe the line between uh, an Interscope album, like a major label album that's quite listenable because he has that skill level. He has that ability. I think he's, you know, on par with Kendrick lyrically. And I think artistically he can do it too. But then we now we've waited what? How many fucking years for this project? And he's setting it 70% done 18 months ago. So it's done. It's just sitting somewhere. Now, if you put that album out at the end of 2019 and you get the reception for it and you see, okay, so I've done this well, I've done this poorly, then you have all of 2020 to work on the next direction and to grow artistically. So I just think, you know, I don't have a problem with artists taking time to produce product and produce music i just think there's a a few things going on here not every single one of these artists is taking that long that's that's serendipitous that's too big of a coincidence that all of these artists would be waiting two years for every single project three years four years it doesn't work like that like it just doesn't make sense and if that is the case if these artists have created this product and it's ready to go and you're not putting it out for some business reason or some kind of like, I don't know, you're trying to create a legacy. I'm not sure. We don't get any information from Top or Punch. We don't know what's going on. Then you're hampering their artistic progression and their artistic maturity. And I have a problem with that. You know, I, I don't think that's the right way to go about it. I think that's a problem. I think that's a major label thing where prior to coming on with Interscope, it seemed like they were dropping a lot quicker they were dropping a lot more product, a lot more of, often, and just doesn't. I don't know what's going on over there, man. It's a drought, and yeah, like as a listener, I don't care, honestly, man. Like a lot of people are very passionate about it when I post these numbers. There's too much music for me to care, you know. There's too mm. much music being released every week for me to be sitting there clicking refresh and hoping <laughs> that TDE album comes out. I'm not. I'm not desperate, man. Like I listen to so much music and so widely that it's not. Yeah. It doesn't affect me. Yeah. I, I I wait two more years for a Kendrick album. It doesn't. When it comes, great. If it never comes, that's okay. There's plenty of other music, but it just concerns me. You know, are they hurting their artists with this this schedule? I mean, the only thing I'll say about that in retort, because you kind of um, made some good points. Um, if it, I I. I kind of can't really fathom if there if there is some sort of like i don't know hold up in a cynical sense um then i highly highly doubt 
that them as a collective, because that's how that's kind of how we have to bunch them up. Because because my counterpoint could have been like, uh, look at well, let's look at them individually in that sense, right? But we can't because they're under the same label, and that's kind of the point of reason why we're talking about it. So if we're looking at them as a collective, which we have to in this case. I I highly doubt that if there were if there were two three four of them being held back, that none of them would speak up. Yeah, you, know, you know what I mean. I I highly I, I can't I can't fathom like them being that timid as a collective to say like some bullshit's going on. You know what I mean. Clearly, ha- they have to be on the same uh, same page. Like from people above them in the in the business structure or whatever. Right, they have to be on the same page, surely. Like, I, I know, and obviously, you know, we've 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 said the we've said the complaints that people have had and things that people said over the past year, year or t- nearly two years. Right, we've we've that's all documented. But I I can't fathom the fact that if if there is like some sort of gag order coming in through in some fashion, right, that that none of them are gonna speak up about it. Like none of them. And we've um, you've named like what three people that could that easily have maybe a project ready to go. Like you, you can't possibly spend all those years with those kind of people, right? Smart people, artistically gifted people, uh, large amount of self integrity and self respect for each other and that kind of stuff, right? You can't have all that and not go like oh, I'm seeing some bullshit here. Let me press the let me press the uh, emergency meeting button. Shouts to the game among us. I've been playing that today in this fire. Um, you know, what I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't be like they can't be all silent. You know, what I mean, and not be they can't all be suffering in silence. That's kind of where I'm getting at. So that, that's kind of my last point. It's just I, I just can't fathom it. And if it is, if it is how it is, then you know, I'll take I'll say they're all back in hindsight, and obviously, but in retrospect, but I I just can't fathom that. I can't fathom that that they're either all suffering in silence. Or they're or, or one of them is suffering in silence, and you know nobody's like caping up for that person if they if they you know feel I don't know shunned or in any in any fashion. And obviously, again, all hypothetical, but it's 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 well, it's all it's, it's, I guess it's all worthy conversation in some in some way. That's a hell of a segue. That's a hell of a segue into our next topic because we're going to talk about Kanye. Oh boy, is it! <laughs> Because you just said pretty much what we're talking about here. Like Kanye's been suffering in silence for how many years, and and no one's well, very few are coming to his rescue and caping for him, even though they're all in the same in silence though. Well, yeah, on this issue, I think so. I think so. I don't think Kanye's ever okay, silent. Okay, well, but... well, lay out for lay out for us. Lay lay out for us. So Kanye went on this rant on this Twitter rant, and you might have missed it because most people are completely tuned out of Kanye at this point, um, and I am too, mostly. Me included. This rant was about contracts and about masters and about issues he has with Universal, uh, and he said originally that he wasn't going to drop any more music until he was out of his deals with Sony and Universal. Obviously, we know that's not the case. Some people who have been reading his contracts and claim that uh, l- legally, he's never allowed to retire from making music. So these contracts are wild. They are genuinely fucking wild. And a lot of artists have, have exposed this before. But I think the f- there's a few angles firstly to this whole rant and this whole situation. I want to deal with the explicit first, which is the contracts. Now, this is a fight that artists have been having for so long that it's genuinely scary at this point. The whole thing really scares me. 
Art doesn't know capitalism at its essence. It is created from humanity, which, as we've tragically and acutely seen during the pandemic, clearly doesn't mesh well with capitalism, okay? Like, you know, people are saying, oh, open the economy up so people are going to die. But that's okay, as long as we can make money. Like, it just doesn't make any fucking sense at all. So we know that the two ideologies do not, they do not mesh but art must interact with capitalism because we are so far down the rabbit hole now that we cannot turn back. And we have major labels who then promise to bridge the gap between these two ideologies. What they appear to do is invite you into the castle and then they slit your throat as soon as you hand over your product. Labels to me are little more than glorified banks. You borrow what you need in order to purchase the ability to make the best possible art you can. Now, in my view, a label deserves a small percentage of your profit, and that is all. Regardless of how you feel about the size of that percentage, to me, like, in what world does it make sense that a major label owns the art that you created? There's four words in that. Art that you created. Three words. Three words. None, none of those art you created. None of those words refer to labels. Art you created. None of that is related to the label. So why should they have any kind of ownership? But the flip side to that is we can see from, and I want to give both perspectives here. We can see from Kanye's recording budget that it is insanely expensive to max out your artistic ability, at least in his case. And we saw, I spoke about this with Problem's album. You know, Problem had a small budget. It was independently released. Of course, it's going to be a reduction in quality in comparison to college dropout or late registration. And I was listening to this Lupe Fiasco video that he dropped a couple of days ago about Kanye's rant. Very interesting. He said that Kanye had everyone behind him during those early albums. He had so much help. He had people writing verses. He had people helping him with songs. Like, there was a lot of people around him and a lot of expenses. Especially if you're in the sample-based world. If you want to go all out, you have three options. You drop a free product or a product that's close to free to ensure that you avoid the attention of those that you've sampled and reduce your exposure to litigation. You could sign with a major label and then hound them for a recording budget, which is what Kanye's done. Or you could make an album the way Danny Brown did, where he said he couldn't use as many samples as he liked, and he still ended up not recouping because of the cost of the samples. So you make a product that's less than, say, 80% of your ability. It's, it's below what you really, it's not your artistic vision. You have to reduce that. Now, a label is putting $10 million up. This is Kanye's fucking recording budgets of $10 million. You can make the greatest piece of art possible. And they know that they're probably not going to recoup on that for a long fucking time, at least a decade. So what happens now? Should we now be thanking major labels for at least giving Kanye an avenue to create eight of the best hip-hop albums of all time? I'm torn, man. I'm torn. I, originally, that first part where I was just super critical of labels, I was like, yeah, but then I did some more research. And I'm like, actually, this cost a lot of money to put these great albums out, and they wouldn't exist without major labels. Do major labels then deserve some ownership? I don't know, man. I'm a little bit... I don't know where to go with that. What do you think, Charlie? Uh, it is a, a true dilemma in that fashion. Um because on the on the flip side um, to your you know problem example I'll, f I'll throw in the Alicia Keys album because uh, I kind of mentioned it uh, I I highly I, I highly 
doubt that Alicia Keys wouldn't be where she was if she wasn't like you know signed from day dot and you know dropping all the albums that she's dropped over the past 20 uh 20 or so 20 nearly 25 years you know what i mean so i can there there are some artists like that where you know they they they're signed to a major major label very early and or what well, doesn't even matter what what part of their career but in, in terms of just like longevity and being signed to a major label for long for a long time you know you, you just you see the quality just become uh so uh, so polished that you can't really imagine them being I don't know independent or whatever you know as much as I love somebody like Ashanti right um for many many reasons uh for many of which that I won't even bother uh yeah continuing on um the reason why I like Ashanti is that she has this um you know she obviously has the voice and the authenticity to her you know what I mean she comes from that um you know kind of hip-hop r&b princess kind of vibes Elsie Aaliyah had that um Monica and Brandy had as well and uh you know she was major label for a while and then when it came to I think after the declaration if I'm if I'm uh, being correct uh she went independent she made her own label and you know she's dropped a couple of albums one or two albums a couple of albums uh since and, uh, you know, regardless if they're, you know, none of them are going to be her first album, right? N- none of them are going to be her first album. Let's just, we, we, let's just get that out of the way. But she has created some half-decent work as an independent, you know what I mean? Tra- creating it for herself, you know what I mean? And uh, and obviously, for her, she has her, I, th- I assume she has her, um, her uh, what's the word, uh, masters, because, uh, like I mentioned with the Meg... I think it was the Meg Project Sugar, where she had a Ashanti on there and someone else. I think that was that, or was it the Baby? One of the two. Um, maybe they're on both both on the same track. I don't know. Um, but anyway, yeah. The reason why she was on there, and also at Tory Lanes as well, when he did Chicks Tape, ten million, whatever the fuck number he was on. Uh, fuck you know, Tory Lanes. she put she gave her she gave foolish she gave foolish um, to them. Uh, yeah, Fuck Tory Lanes uh, standard procedure. Um, you know when. She 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 gave them foolish, and clearly the reason why was because she fucking owns that shit. Um, and I don't know for for a fact, but I highly doubt that she's done it twice in the past in in a in a few months span and not get any pee out of that. Um, that's just you know that's just basic logic. So you know my point is, um, it's hard to gauge, and you know I'm in the same boat as you in terms of ask in terms of asking. Uh, whether Kanye would have gotten this done. I mean, I feel like for all of his faults, he's nothing He's nothing but not tenacious. And I feel like if he had a different avenue, if he went down a different avenue of uh, not going, you know, to Rockefeller, which I'm sure you'll probably mention at some point, um, just want to tee you up for that because it was very enlightening on that front. Um, you know, if he didn't do what he did at that point, and just continue to, you know, try and maybe go by yourself or, I don't know, go via a, group, uh, a, a grassroots label, like, I don't know, Stone's Throw, Rhyme Sayers, one of those, you know, small, little bit smaller labels, but obviously clearly dedicated to hip-hop. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe we could have gotten the, well, not, obviously not the same albums, whatever, because obviously, you know, let's, let's, not, let's, not, let's not do parallel universes right now. But, you know... We don't know. That's obviously hypothetical. But um, there's avenues. There's avenues. So, uh, you know, I can't really... 
You know, there's always that. There's always that thing where um, who was who was the artist that um talked about not reading con? Well, it was Meg, wasn't it? When she went talking, about, when she was talking about uh, you know, I didn't read the contract because I was like you know 23 or whatever, however, however, um, old she was at that point, signed in the 1017. What was it? 1501, that's what, 1501 Queen, there you go, um, I was trying to remember the lyric, because that's the only reason I remember the, the label behind her, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, she didn't read the, she didn't read the words, Kanye clearly didn't read the words, um, and, uh, you know, and as another point, just to, you know, throw it in, because I did see the tweets, him talking about, you know, liberation kind of thing, and you know, oh, it's take control, we should take control, uh, Kanye's not the person to say that. <laughs> you, you, you can't be the person to say that. Like, there's, I could have named so many people that could have said that, and it would have been completely legitimate. And you know, he's not wrong. You know, I'm, I'm I want to be in the same boat as him. I, I've, I've gotten so many thoughts about that kind of stuff for my future personally, and just for you know how the game goes, because um, it obviously is exploitative. We know this. We, we've, we've killed that to death uh, on this show you know what i mean it's basically our tagline now fuck major labels <laughs> yeah, 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 I mean, <laughs> fuck major labels currencies always drop in <laughs> you know what i mean we have so many fucking taglines on here like it's, it's it's making me ill um but you know kanye can't be the person to say that because um he's he's been in this game for nearly 20 years um on a major label sense and now you're on it I, I, you know, I have to, I have to go like, come on, my guy, <laughs> took your time to catch up, but, you know, with that said, at least he's here, and at least he's in the, I guess, the, the right frame in how we should think about the future of music and the future of art itself, um, but, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll stop there for just the sake of time. And Kanye said it actually really well, he said on a, on a song, um, Having money is not everything, not having it is. And I just want to make that point really quickly because I think giving him carte blanche to just create whatever the fuck he wants, regardless of money, is just... Anyone who's ever struggled with money will know that when you're at the bottom and you don't have enough money to survive or you don't have enough money to... You're fucked. You're (laughs) fucked. It's this giant oppressive force that, like, pressures you into the ground. And like the more money pressure you're it's under, the thumb in the back of your neck, bro. Yeah, the harder it is to do anything. You know, the more pressure you're under, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And like I've noticed over the last ten years, for me, being able to be financially stable, which I am now, has just changed my life completely. Five, six years ago, ten years ago, I was struggling, man. Like really fucking struggling. I couldn't do. I wouldn't have hip hop numbers. This podcast wouldn't exist because I would have been struggling. Like you know, even just psychologically. And so you don't create your best art from that that space. So that that's another side to it. Um, but the criticism of Jay-Z in this has been very interesting. So I don't want to spend super long on this, but a tweet went around that stated something very simple and then attached a very deep and dark accusation to that simple statement. Now, when Kanye signed to Rockefeller, Rockefeller assumed the control of his masters. Okay, Jay-Z, though, did not control his own masters. Def Jam, who had a 50-50 stake in Rockefeller, did. So when Kanye signed, I think it was for the first six albums. That's why um, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy came out in Rockefeller, even though Rockefeller had um, had disbanded four years prior. That's why 
you know, 808s and graduation came out Rockefeller, even though Rockefeller didn't exist at this point. So they, the masters were owned by Rockefeller. Now, Def Jam offered Jay-Z the presidency in 2004, but only if Jay-Z sold Rockefeller to them and disbanded it. And then he would, if he became the president, he would receive the rights to his masters. I thought it was at the end of his presidency. Some people are saying 2016 that he received the rights to his masters. I'm not sure which one is correct on that. But he took the offer, and in doing so, he essentially signed Kanye's masters over to Def Jam, a.k.a. Universal. Kanye hasn't denied this. Now, Kanye has responded, saying, don't let the system pit us against each other. Jay's my brother. I have eternal love for all artists that have been through and are still trapped in this crooked system. Um, bro, <sighs> every week, man, every week, Jay-Z, 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 Jay-Z. That fucking pisses me off, what Jay-Z did. That really pisses me off because... You've created a label called Rockefeller, okay? And you've linked up with Def Jam in order to propel Rockefeller to the highest it can possibly be. But you're still operating as an independent label. You've said that you're an independent label multiple times. You're signing artists on the fact that they're not signing directly to Universal. Universal uh, owned Def Jam at the time. We did that on our episode a couple of weeks ago. So Universal is a major label. Def Jam is a major label. Rockefeller were positioning himself as not a major label. They were positioning themselves as one that had autonomy over their entire production. Def Jam was just providing the bankroll. Def Jam was providing the muscle. But Rockefeller was set aside by itself. So you're signing all these artists, Bleak Beans, Mill, Young Guns, like all these artists, uh, Petey Crack, Freeway, you know, these legends. And and the, you're, you're in control of their masters and you're saying... You know, come to us. We will do you right. We will we will help you. We will foster your career. We're not a major label. Jay-Z's a president. Dame Dash is, and, and Biggs are, you know, they care about artists. They care about artists' rights. Dame Dash is in meetings fighting for their rights. And then you go around and turn around and just fucking sell all of that to Def Jam. <laughs> like, uh, it's so dodgy to me, man. I don't like that. I don't like that. Now, I don't think Jay-Z consciously said, hey, in the in the meetings, hey, Rockefeller owns the rights to Kanye's entire discography, so or his next six albums, so he's going to use that as a bargaining. I don't think that's even remotely possible because Jay-Z was probably doing all these deals in 03. This was prior to the college dropout, so Kanye hadn't even dropped a project yet. And if anyone read the stories around that album, people didn't expect that album to do well. They thought it was going to absolutely flop. They couldn't believe the amount of money people were spending on it. Dame Dash had said that if it's garbage, we'll just put camera on on every song and then at least we'll save it a little bit. But people did not expect College Dropout to do what it did. They certainly didn't expect late registration and then graduation to just continue that trend. So when Jay-Z was negotiating the sale of Rockefeller, he didn't have Kanye in his back pocket with six classic albums, five classic albums, whatever. He just had an untested, unproven producer who wanted to be a rapper. So, you know, the idea that Jay-Z would use that as a bargaining chip is just wild. But at the same time, I don't fuck with what Jay-Z did at all. I don't think that's the way to go about it. But, you know, I wasn't in those rooms. I wasn't in those meetings. Maybe he was hamstrung. Maybe it was the only thing he could do. I don't know what those contracts said. But it looks a little dodgy from the outside, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's harsh. Like, <laughs> just just... 
looking looking at it with you know full hindsight, it's just harsh. This is one of, and bro, unfortunately, it's just one of the you know. It's just another. It's just another bullet in the body. Like you know, I mean, it's just. It's another one. It's another. It's another. It's another one. Laid out in chalk in the jail cell. It's just. It's just another one. That's. That's all it is. Uh, you know, it's just so many of these. Eyes that we love and that, and they have these. You know, they have these moments of clarity where it's just like, fuck. Like I've had no. I've had no power over, you know, my actual art, like in, obviously in the vacuum of making the album, sure, right, obviously Kanye had, had all the power in that, in that, in those, in those, mm. uh, well, probably not in College Dropout, but, you know, it after that, probably, yeah. right, um, but uh, outside of that, bro, like, outside of that, that's all it, that's, that's all it, that's the only thing that people miss, like, for, that's why it keeps happening, um, mm. you know, when, the you know, Joe got a little yatty for the 360 deal, you know what I mean? It's just, it still happens. <laughs> I mean, still pe- people can have all the examples in the world and we can name so many over the past 40, 50 years in hip hop's, in hip hop's case. And even further in, uh, for stuff like, even for shit like Motown, bro, like Motown is one of my favorite things ever, but bro, <sighs> that shit was a machine. And not a good one, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it made some of the... And that's the thing, that's what, that's what you know, people like us, like, struggle with, like, uh, it's the same with Kanye, and it's the same with Motown, like, the, they've given such great works, but, bro, shit behind that? Sketches. Not, I'm not talking about the shoes, you know what I mean? It's just, it is what it is, man, and, uh, you know, it's, just, it's an ongoing conversation, of course, and obviously, Kanye has given a... Uh, a reason for us to talk about it once again in a different, if in a different frame and in a more, uh, in a in a in a frame, uh, using a one of the most popular artists of the past twenty years, um, but you know it's still the same, it's still the same stuff, bro. It's, it's still the same stuff, and it's that, it's that tugging between you know true artistry and you know recognizing it's a business, and uh, you know some sometimes sometimes both win. But the business win seems much more full um, in hindsight. So, yeah. I think that's a great point. Uh, like, I just want to end on that point and then talk quickly about something related to this is that carrot of the vacuum of creating whatever album you want. You know, as I said, money is the, you know, the, the, the thing that stops so many people from achieving anything or whatever, you know, maxing out where they want to go. If you give them like recording studio, recording budget, all these marketing, promotion, and you say, like, you can create whatever album you want and we're going to propel it. That's massive, man. I'd, I'd probably maybe sign over some stuff. So I think that's a big motivation for a lot of artists where they've probably been struggling for years to do it all themselves and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, actually, you know, all these roadblocks are gone now. You can create whatever you want money-wise and then they sign over their masters and then they get fucked. But the other part of this I want to talk about is... Mm-hmm. um. Kanye West asking for apologies from like J. Cole and Drake and calling for artists to retweet him. That was what I found really interesting. He asked, he begged Bono, Drake, Kendrick and Taylor Swift for a retweet in his master's fight to band together to fight the record labels. None of them responded in any way at all. Now, remember that Taylor Swift went on a similarly significant 
journey in 2019, mm-hmm. but it was much more self-centered to get her own masters back from her label. Now, Kanye has been talking about getting everyone's masters back. It's like he read his contract for the first time in 15 years and realized he was getting fucked. Then he started thinking about how everyone else was getting fucked. And he's like, I'll do this for me and I'll do this for you at the same time. Taylor was not like that at all. She's just like, I'm just going to do this for me. But anyway, um, her old label wanted to sell her masters to Scooter Braun, who she greatly dislikes. She put out a similar call for help. Uh, it wasn't a collaborative call where everyone bands together to take down the labels, but rather, rather everyone bands together to help Taylor. Now, she received res- support from Selena Gomez, Housie, Gigi Hadid, Ruby Rose, Lily Allen, Sher, Tanashi, uh, Camila Cabello, Elizabeth Warren. Fucking plenty more, man. Now, Kanye West's supporter list is a lot thinner. We have Big Sean who is signed to Kanye and credits Kanye with his entire career. We have Marshmallow, we have Russ, Logic, and Trippy Red. <laughs> now that's hardly an all-star lineup, is it? Like Hitboy and YG and Joe Budden have also voiced their support. But I mean, you, you, you put Russ, Logic, and... I love Russ, by the way. Fuck, okay, Russ is great. Let's just put Logic, Trippy Red, and Big Sean up against like Halsey and Selena Gomez, and Elizabeth Warren. Like, it's a big difference. Now, Taylor wasn't even fighting for artist rights. She was only fighting for herself, and her roster outweighs Kanye's. The point I'm trying to make here is, Kanye claims he cannot be cancelled, yet clearly he, he he's here on Twitter losing his mind over a very righteous, good, and pure fight, and one that I'm sure affects all these artists. And I know specific artists that I can't talk about that it definitely affects it really does affect, and I can't talk about them because I've gotten in trouble talking about them before, but there's nothing toxic or malicious in Kanye's message for once, and yet people rallying to his side are like Logic, Big Sean, and Trippy Red, like Drake, Jay, Kanye, Cole, they're not there. Where are the anti-label people like Rhapsody, Currency, Tech 9 E-40, Joey, Freddie Gibbs? They're not there. Where are the labels like QC, TDE, Strange Music, Jamla, 300? They're independent labels. They're not there. So, like, where is everyone, man? Like, Kanye, Kanye done out here? Can't, no one cares about Kanye anymore? Like, I don't know. That Lupe Fiasco <laughs> video was very interesting. He, it was, it's a long video. It's 50 minutes, and he just rants a lot about capitalism, which is right up my alley. But it might be get a bit boring for some people. But the essence of it was, he said that Kanye has no idea what goes on in the real world anymore. He doesn't know anything about the common person. He's just completely in a bubble where he just does not understand anything outside of what's in front of his own face, which is just wealth and and yes men. And he can get whatever he wants whenever he wants it. It's like he has no concept of anything other than that. And I think... He's now completely disconnected, and I think this is, you know, people saying Kanye can't be cancelled. I actually think this is the first example of him losing, you know, a lot of clout and people realizing, yeah, he's not what he once was in any way, shape, or form. You know, he's try, he's pressed the button, he pressed the button, and nothing happens. Like that's rough, man. Well, for me personally, I just there was just a a boy cried wolf about most of the stuff he was talking about previously like it was was just like i'm over it you know i mean that's 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 me personally why i tuned this uh, particular thing out uh i just all like bro and this is this is probably the problem um the fact that i didn't see 
you know, Big Sean or Logic or Russ, like, you know, supporting this, uh, supporting this, uh, whatever you want to call it, um, all I saw was him pissing on the Grammy. Hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And obviously joked about it in the intro, but that's all I saw like, when he was trending. Kanye pissed on a Grammy, LOL, LOL. Or, or, or LeMau, as uh, Ben says, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I just tuned out again. I just closed Twitter for the day. I was like, I'm done. Thank you. Now that's, that's me. That's me done for the day. Thank you very much. And I, you know, I had to obviously um, read some, the rest of it um, for, you know, uh, for, for this particular episode. But yeah, man, it was just, I just, I just got boy who cried wolf kind of vibes sometimes with this, with well, not, not sometimes, but for this time with this dude, it's just like, I said to myself like before uh, a few months ago when he when he did the president shit I was just like if you ain't dropping music I don't want to hear I don't want to even want to hear like don't even don't even talk to me like if anyone say oh yo did you see what Kanye did I'm like did he drop music all right don't care that's that's where I'm at right now that's just me personally and uh, I'm sure a lot of people are that that place too because it's just Ah uh, man, it's just like some of it's just so ah. Uh, but you know, obviously, this is a worthy conversation, and we've had that conversation. And that's uh, and that's all I can that's all I can take from it. So uh, yeah, unless you have anything else, we can leave it there and hop onto the light note if you want. I love Charlie's just total indifference to Kanye. It's like let's wrap this shit up, man. I was surprised that you actually wanted you agreed to do that that topic. I thought that was going to be a veto off the rip. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just the fact that it was framed in, you know, Kanye. And I'm just like, all right, then. And and you obviously gave me the Jay Z bit, which obviously, um, which kind of enticed me to be honest, just uh, that particular angle. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I am indifferent. It's just, <laughs> I, I have to be now for just the sake of me. I'm just like, I can't be asked wasting time anymore. It's been years of this shit, man. It's just annoying. It is what it is. And I've, I've just, I've said what I said. So. If you want to hop into a lighter note, go for it. All yours. Yeah, what have you... Have you got something? Uh, I thought you had something. Oh, you want me to do the... Okay, so... Yeah, um... I just found this very fascinating. Classic albums on which the artist gets out-rapped by a guest. And it's like... And I mean like the whole album, the best verse is a guest. And it seems to happen quite often. So I was using... Uh, forget what what I all of the ones I said, but obviously Illmatic with AZ. I said that uh, I had Kanye with say Rick Ross on Devil in New Dress, or even Raekwon on Gorgeous. Um, I had Jay Z with Eminem on Renegade. I've also got Fifty Cent, Get Rich or Die Trying, Eminem on Patiently Waiting. Um, he absolutely fucking eviscerates that album. It's just it's fascinating to me that these classic albums genuinely fucking classic and they didn't have the best verse on the whole album like i don't know can you think of any other charlie is this a is this a pattern or am i just like reading way too much into this <laughs> well, yeah well, I, I, I wouldn't say a pattern <laughs> obviously you didn't uh obviously you mentioned a, a, a couple you know what i mean but um, well, kendrick i would i'm like i'm gonna put kendrick out there I'm gonna put Kendrick out there on Good Kid, Mad City. I'm gonna say Rhapsody, outwrapped. Sorry, on uh, To Paper Butterfly. I'm gonna say Rhapsody outwrapped that whole album. I'm gonna say she had the best verse on the whole album. And I'm gonna say that maybe there were a couple oh, of verses on Good Kid, okay. Mad City. J Rock maybe outwrapped that whole album too. Mm. Ah. Name a better Kendrick okay, verse. Well, 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 well you've, you, okay. Oh come on, bro. For free. 
Uh, Wesley Siri slaps like oh, Rhapsody Merc uh, that man. Fucking hell! How much a dollar cost? Come, nah, nah, bruv. Nah, nah. Right. I, I, fair, fair, fair. you know fair. me, love me some Rhapsody. But I, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't go that far. I can't stretch that far. If you want to talk about J Rock and Good Kid, you have a genuine argument. Because I'm trying to, because I'm, I'm generally trying to think like just I haven't listened to Good Kid in a while, but. Uh, maybe someone on back free, backseat freestyle that shit's fun, uh, but you know for bar for bar maybe I'm not, maybe J Rock is a good shout. That, that's a that's a genuine contender. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't go Rhapsody even though I love that fucking verse. I love that song as a whole. Absolutely amazing track. Um, but yeah, I mean I wouldn't say a trend. I don't really see how's a trend. I actually, you know what? Uh, let me one a let me let me U turn on that Tory government again. Shout out to them. Um, I, I can imagine, right, that in recent day, in recent years, um, if we really looked into this, uh, that there are uh, plenty of albums where, you know, we have, we've talked about the lyrics of these days and how there's been a consistent drop in quality, subjectively or objectively, take your pick, right? I'll go subjectively just for the argument, right? Um, with the dip in lyricism, in the, the skill of lyricism these days, right? You can eat. There's so many prob. There are probably so many albums we can go through this year alone, right? Where someone's dropped an album and then there's a feature on there where it's just like absolutely blitzed the album. Like uh, honestly, no. Okay, here's one. Here's one right now, right? Uh, from from Detroit to. I want to throw out that Wale verse. Let's throw that out there. That might be. Might be, might be. Interpret, might, might be. That's in the running. Like Wiley on Detroit too. I think that was a really good verse. I think that yeah. really he, he definitely owned that track. Like I said, I think that track clearly could have come from his a uh, his a uh, little EP care package from a couple of months ago. Could have easily came from that. Um, may may might have been the best uh, thing on the album, best verse on the album. Uh, so you know, and if I if I could do that for Big Sean, yeah, damn well I can do that for someone like I don't know. Well, young boy NBA, for example, right? You know, I can do it for it's possible. So um, I will completely U-turn on that, and I, I will say it. It can possibly be a trend, simply because people are setting so such low bars on their albums. It's pretty much a hop, skip, and a jump away for someone of decent quality to absolutely spaz on somebody's album. Uh, so yeah, I think it. I think it can be a trend, right? There, you, there you go. And AZ's verse is not the best on Nas's Ilmatic. I just wanted to throw that. Out. I know it's one. I know it's really good. Really enjoyed it. Love that song. I don't think it's the best verse on there, but that's just me. I can. I can see. I can see people's argument. But uh, yeah, I, I. You know, I, I'm. I've completely 180 on the from from the beginning. I, I. I think it can be a trend. I think. I think if we actually look in, looked into it, there will definitely be a trend of. Uh, just features that just absolutely own entire album uh, worth of uh, somebody's work. I agree. I agree. I think you're right. I think it's going to become more of a trend. I think what you said is very true about people seeming to put less emphasis on their album and less effort into it. And when there's so many songs, it's like you're putting 20 tracks on an album. Are you going to be giving your best verse on every one of those tracks? And if you are, then it's going to be diluting completely. So someone can come in with 16 and just eviscerate you on your own album. So yeah, no, I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. All right. Well. All right. Well. Well, we have a potential. <laughs> as a potential bite uh, topic uh, later down the line. I'm, I'm sure if we if we just 
we we just we just need to focus on a few albums here and just like see and just uh, how how many albums do you think of like noble albums? Which should we have to get like like five, ten maybe, and then we can say like, look guys, it's a trend, and put our tinfoil hats back on for the for the kicks. Um, but uh, I'm down. <laughs> that I'm is down. that is down the line. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, from the Fifth Element Podcast Network, it's been Diggy Digits. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I've enjoyed the Fifth Element. I've been Ben Carter for Pop Numbers. We hope you enjoyed this episode. I've already said that. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Which always try to do the same. I get my words mixed up in the, in the outro. But until the next time, thank you, easy. Ladies and gentlemen. Alright, peace. Digging in the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is Peace and Video Games by Bonus Points. They say Chill Prickers for the ability to use. Socials for the fifth element, hip hop and numbers, bonus points, and show off records will be in the full show notes wherever you're listening. This has been a fifth and podcast network and hip hop and numbers collaboration. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time on digging in the digits.